Hello, it's Wednesday the 13th of December. I'm Miranda Sawyer and if you don't do what I want, Rishi, then I'm going to abstain. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we gather at the UK papers, give them some detailed feedback and tough targets, put them on the naughty step to think about what they've done and then watch them go out and do exactly the same thing over and over again. It's a living, right? And you're enjoying the show. We're one of Esquire's podcasts of the year. Did you know this? I didn't actually know that. That's I know, right. it's so exciting. Congratulations, <laughs> really exciting. everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently we're Larky and Sarky, which is quite nice. Do you and- want to be Larky or Sarky? <laughs> I'll be lucky. Okay. <laughs> um, and listener Yanni has told us not to change. Please don't have it big, exciting, ambitious plans, she says. <laughs> Stay small. Is there any danger of that? <laughs> not really, no. She says, you don't have to expand or diversify or leverage synergies. <laughs> well, we were thinking of bringing out a range of energy drinks. Sorry, Yanni. OK, here are the headlines for today's show. The most Rwandaful time of the year. Rishi's Rwanda bill is voted through but might hit problems in the new year. Luxury cruise. Tom Cruise has an expensive new Russian girlfriend and we like. And cats are evil. Yes, we know you know, but this time there's evidence. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we've written two columns in two hours to get a week off at Christmas. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is writer for the New Statesman and small town sampler, John Elledge. Hello, John. Yanni, I promise I will never change, no matter what my therapist says. (laughs) (laughs) And making her Paper Cuts debut is comedian and big city slicker, Jan Ravens. Hello, Jan. Hello, hello. I'm very pleased to be here, but then I am a people pleaser. More on that story later, as Kirsty <laughs> Watt would say. OK, what do we have on the front pages today? John, what have you got? Oh, well, the Times is a whole banquet of stuff to piss me off. <laughs> uh, there's, there's bicep envy uh, next to a picture of Andrew Scott, who's normally very attractive, looking horrible. Mm. Will you wear the new jeans? They're huge. Well, I'm going to go into a detail yeah. on this later. <laughs> you can stop building on green sites, council's told. Fucking brilliant. Uh, but the lead story, of course, is Sunak survives Rwanda revolt. But it's not over yet. Hmm. Over in The Guardian, we have something similar. Sunak avoids major rebellion over a Rwanda deportation bill. For now. Yeah. The I. Sunak survives Rwanda revolt to set up New Year's showdown with Tory rebels. You might be detecting a theme by now. The Daily Telegraph, though, it's still sunny over there, above a lovely picture of uh, Rishi in front of the Union Jack. Sunak faces down Rwanda rebels. No mention of the fact that he's fucked. Yeah, it does sound like he's being tough. Faces down Rwanda rebels there. I love the way they keep describing Rishi as tetchy. It's sort of like an adjective that they normally would only apply to a woman. But it's it's like, you know, that sort of like, oh, she's a bit grumpy, you know, but they're kind of, I wonder if it's because he's small. Yeah, tetchy titchy. <laughs> OK, so I've got the lesser papers, as we might call them. I've got the Daily Mail here. Sunak sees off the Tory Rwanda rebels for now. Yeah. Um, and a little uh, piece here, an exclusive, Tom Cruise 61 dating oligarch's ex-wife, which we're going to be covering in detail, obviously. And I'm also interested to see the Mail says you can get one of these four magazines for free and you'll be very surprised to hear that they're good housekeeping, house beautiful, country living and prima. Very on brand. <laughs> very on brand. Um So the Mirror is going with The Nightmare After Christmas, again, about Sunak surviving the Rwanda vote. But, you know, there's trouble ahead. Um, The Sun is steadfastly ignoring politics. (laughs) 
Uh, Wonder why, eh? I can't (laughs) imagine why it's uh, keeping its powder dry, but it's leading on Hollywood's biggest losers, who are apparently Harry and Meghan, whose charity has lost a bit of money. Yes. that's it. I mean, yes. they still appear to be living a very nice life, yeah. but yeah, they are yeah, biggest yeah. losers. The sun exists entirely in a parallel universe these days, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's it really just, does. It's not reporting the news anymore. <laughs> no, it's not bothering. But the and Daily the Star, Star, well, obviously that's our favourite because uh, the Daily Star's headline is They Think It's All Comb Over, uh, which is about um, Donald Trump's hairstyle, uh, the Rabsi Nesbitt comb over. The worst hairstyle in the world is back as one in five go for a Donald Trump. Just looking around the streets. <laughs> I don't know about you. I haven't seen that many. Oh, if that it's many. in the star, it's true. Yeah, well, it's true. They yeah. wouldn't lie to us. Yeah, yeah. It, no, they would never. And boffins will have definitely <laughs> asserted this. OK, and we can also bring you rather sad news that Andre Brower, who played Frank Pembleton in Homicide and Captain Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, has died aged 61, which is awful and will be all over tomorrow's papers, I imagine. It's a bit late for today's. So we'll talk about him then. So, shall we have a quick look at Rwanda shall again? We shall we, though? <laughs> Come on. Look, I realise it's kind of weirdly dull for something that apparently nearly brought down the government. But what happened yesterday, John? Uh, the uh, safety of Rwanda, brackets, asylum and immigration bill, which mm-hmm. is, uh, long-time listeners will recall, a, a bill which would mean Rwanda was safe, legally. That would be a legal term. Rwanda would officially be a safe country. Uh, despite all the rumours that the right were going to rebel, it got through the House of Commons by 313 votes to 269, which is a majority of 44, which is not not terrible. Um, it would have needed just 29 MPs from the Tory side to vote against it to fall. And there was a lot of noise yesterday. I mean, like, there was a lot of noise from the right of the Tory party saying that they weren't happy with it because it wasn't hardline enough. There, there was a lot of noise from the, the One Nation bit of the party saying they weren't happy with it because it was too hardline. Uh, and it did look like it for a long time, like everyone got very excited and then nothing happened. It really reminds me of that bit of the, the Theresa May years where we all get worked up about, you know, this is the day something interesting is going to happen and then the can will be kicked down the road. That is very much what has happened here. So far as we can tell, Sunak has promised the right that if they didn't vote against the bill, if they just abstained, he would make it more attractive to them in the next reading. Which uh, is in the new year. Which, so which is not far away, yeah. Yeah, it seems really weird. It seems like what he's done is done that thing, like, I haven't done my homework and just going to put it off to the new year, but that means you have to work all over Christmas. He's made a bad move. Yeah, and also, like, you still have the fundamental problem that if you make this bill harder, you lose more votes on the yeah. other end of the party. And, and Richard Sunak doing that sort of thing of, like, uh, getting everyone round for a nice breakfast and sort of trying to persuade them to, to do what he wants. And actually, uh, talking about Theresa May, I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing that Theresa May could never do. She was <laughs> never kind of, you know, clubbable enough to kind of go, OK, lads, you know, let's all kind of unite here and, you know, do what I want. She never had that ability to kind of persuade people to, you know, to kind of bring them in. So, look, can we just look at the right wing people? Because they're making me laugh. Yeah. They're calling themselves the five families, yeah. like they're really mafia. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I tell you who the five families are? Please. Go on. The European Research Group, mm. the Common Sense Group, mm. 
the Conservative Growth Group, Ooh. the New Conservatives, wow. and the Northern Research Group. I'm scared. Yeah. Are um, you? Is um, Esther yeah. McVeigh in charge of the Common Sense Group <laughs> as Minister for Common Sense? <laughs> All these guys are saying that if the bill isn't amended in their favour, it will be killed next month. So basically, that's a great start for the new year. Isn't it just? And also, oh. I, I was reading about the five families. The thing that also makes me laugh is there's very few people in them. So it's not, they're really not like the mafia. It's about 10 people, and some of the women are in three groups. So I think I'm in two of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the front page of the mail is a frankly thrilling story about Tom Cruise, 61, and his supposed new girlfriend, Elsina Kairova, 36. Mission improbable, <laughs> crows the mail, and we are all cheered up by it. Basically, this is a straightforward swipe from page six, which is the New York Post gossip column. But um, apparently, you know, so a what? British paper stealing someone else's story. Yeah, yeah actually, it's weird because I'm, I thought it was definitely that. But then I thought, is it from the mail and the New York Post have swiped it? I'm just really not sure. But anyway, it's definitely true. And, and um, we're going to discuss it. Jan, what happened? Well, I mean, this is just so joyous, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's great. It, it, as a, opposed to everything else. Apparently, uh, Tom was spotted canoodling with this Russian lady, Elsina Kairova, who is the ex-wife of a Russian billion millionaire and they lived in a £22 million house in Surrey mm. or something. And they showed up at this party in Mayfair and, yes, I mean... What exactly what canoodling is, we're not told, but it sort of sounds sort of rather like spooning, doesn't it? It sounds like a rather sort of archaic activity. One of our lovely, innocent young production staff asked what canoodling meant. It's, it's so sweet. Oh, really? I, I think it's one step down from snogging. I think it's kind of like... Like, snogging might involve tongues, yeah. and canoodling is back from that because there's other people around. What we used to call crispies, where you're just sort of going... Mwah. Yeah, exactly. Mwah. I think they're doing yeah. that in the corner. Which is a bit, yeah, a bit unsettling. Anyway, yeah. let's move on from that. <laughs> so, look, this is the report. The report says that they were inseparable, clearly a couple, said one guest. I am assuming that this guest is Elsina. Yeah. <laughs> she by mistake leaked it. <laughs> yes, and he seemed to be besotted with her. Oh, yes, definitely her. <laughs> definitely her. They showed up at nine. They spent most of the night dancing. The DJ had to make an announcement in Russian that Tom didn't want any photos. Um, and then there's an intense description of what Elsina was wearing, which is a black strapless dress with ruffles along the sweetheart-shaped neckline and a giant bejeweled bow on the bodice. She wore her long hair loose. It's Oof. definitely from her. Uh, it's from her. <laughs> there is no news on what Tom wore. But the Daily Mail also reports that she has a $1 million handbag collection. This is amazing. It I'm does so not report that she was flaunting her handbags at this, uh, at this, this do, no. but... Anyway. Probably in a safe, aren't they, to be honest? Well, yeah. So, John, um, we looked Elsina up, didn't we? Well, obviously, I mean, we, we didn't need to look her up and we don't need to tell the listeners who she is. Yeah, they she know. Is, <laughs> she's very famous. She used to be married to a Russian oligarch called Dmitry Svetkov. Uh, they were absolutely minted because he's a multi-millionaire diamond dealer and she's an ex-model and the daughter of one of uh, Vladimir Putin's most prominent supporters. Oh. Uh, a guy called uh, Rin Rinat Kairov. Um, so we, I mean, yeah. essentially, what do we think she is? I mean, it's fairly obvious. If you've got... Like, I don't want to get she... polonium. <laughs> She's a secret agent, I, I think. I think she must be a secret, secret agent. She's a secret agent. They've mistaken Tom Cruise for an actual spy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yes. The, her, her sort of dancing in the street on Instagram is all a front. Yeah, exactly. But apparently these guys got divorced in 2021 and it was a mm. bit messy uh, because they were living in a, a Surrey mansion called Dawn Hill. It's so great. Which Dawn is, Hill. Which is apparently worth £22 million. It has 10 bedrooms, mm. 15 bathrooms. Can we stop there? 10 bedrooms, 15 bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. I wondered about That's that. That's so odd. It's really, really odd. It sounds to me like, to, like you're, you've actually got lots of, far too many people in the bedrooms. You know that bit where you're kind of like actually <laughs> renting it out to loads and loads and loads of people. It's really wrong. Also, there's an underground car park with space for 10 cars. <laughs> But 15 bathrooms. I just Anyway, two, two lifts, a swimming pool, a spa, wine cellar, cinema. Uh, apparently they have two children. No one knows what's going on with them. Well, they're somewhere in the they're house. Lost, yeah. lost. <laughs> Without trace, somewhere in the house. Uh, they also own five flats in London, plus properties in Cyprus and Dubai. Oh, God. Oh, let's just say the property portfolio is worth 42 million, which if like one, of, if one house is worth 22 million, that sounds like these flats are comparatively rubbish, doesn't it? Yeah, and maybe they've re- removed the 22 million and that's just... Just the uh, extra. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Ooh. Yeah. Um, look, we did. We have been doing research on them. Um, shall we discuss the wedding picture, Jan? Oh. Because there's a picture from oh, the, the my wedding. God. <laughs> I mean, so it amazing. is not full of joy and anticipation, is it, of a, mm-hmm. of a happy life together? I mean, he's kind of looks like he's reluctantly signing the uh, the wedding register, and she is looking over his shoulder, much as if to say, "And don't forget to put in the bit about the prenup, and don't forget that I've got this, and I've got fifteen bathrooms. Don't forget that." I mean, she. Looks so sort of well. It's just so tense, isn't it? Yeah. There's no joy in it. She really looks calculating. She is checking. He has signed. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, her Instagram account. Shall we discuss this, John? It's a gift. It's amazing. There's a lot. There's a lot of reels. Uh, you know, the little videos in which she cut. She's walking slowly in high heels acro- across roads in places like Paris. Uh, presumably, like traffic is honking her. Yeah. But you can't. You can't hear this because there's like songs playing over the top. There's like butterfly. Remember that. From the, remember yeah. new metal early <laughs> noughties uh, there's blurred lines which I thought was an interesting uh, choice yeah and she just she takes herself so fucking seriously she's hilarious she's my new fave <laughs> and I who's love filming her. all these you well, know. Tom Clearly, oh, Tom. Tom. Tom is trotting behind her. But he's so little that, you know, you can't get a very good angle from below, can it's, you? It's you don't good. want pictures from below. I've learned no. this the hard way. No. No. <laughs> but it, you do if you're her because she's got a lovely figure. Anyway, mm. she, she's she's trotting around. That What you feel like, uh, as John pointed out yesterday, what would be really good is if you just... Because there's a lot of focus on her bum. That you could just... Add a fart. <laughs> <laughs> that might highlight it a little bit. Um, her, her bio is oh, so with love from me to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, subtext text. <laughs> <laughs> she's just a vibe, isn't she? Anyway, we we really... She's a new friend of the podcast, isn't she, Elsina? I feel like we should invite her in. <laughs> you should. <laughs> she's so good. We really hope that she and Tom get married and live in Dawn Hill <laughs> forever and ever with the kids when they find them. Good news, your favourite history nerds are back. Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well, I have, John. You mostly went round finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell and me Angela Barnes wherever you get your podcasts
Now, in The Guardian, there's a very Guardian story about people-pleasing. The Guardian, unsurprisingly, does not like people-pleasing and would like us all to stop immediately. Uh, Jan... What does it recommend? Well, Zoe Williams, is, who I admire very much, has, has written this article, which is quite extraordinary. If you, you, if you can't say no, tells you 13 ways to say no. Apparently, somebody has written a book, of course, mm-hmm. um, The Joy of Saying No. She is advocating that you flex your saying no muscle and you've got to um, yeah, build up your no muscle with repetition, she says. And um, Zoe, apparently, is of a woman of, you know, a, a mature woman of clearly... Considerable intelligence um, and judgment apparently can't say no and so advocates 13 ways of saying no, whether it's to party invitations or to babysit your nephew. I mean, I find the most extraordinary thing um, where she talks about your spouse wants something, the person to whom you are married and presumably have a, an intimate and understanding relationship. So it could be a mini break, could be a game of Scrabble. What matters is you always say yes and now you want to say no. Have a conversation I've had enough of this it. fucking Scrabble. <laughs> Every night you're sat here making me play with a triple word score. But you have to be very careful, John, about the way you do it. You can't kind of, you know, you can't let them feel let down. You have to say, I want to change the way I do things, but this isn't me lashing out at you. <laughs> Don't stop chucking the Scrabble board in the air, John. You're doing the it all wrong. Is, there's another article in the Times about exactly the same thing. Polly Vernon saying, you know, you need to be able to say no to parties. I know. And that on the back of some survey, you know, academic survey. It's, it's, I, I can give you the survey. Oh, go on. <laughs> it's according to a study by academics at West Virginia University, which was published this week. And this is the revelation. It is entirely acceptable to turn down an invitation to a social event with a simple direct no. I mean, what a shocker. <laughs> I mean, what I do admire is both Zoe and Polly, who are great writers, yeah. have got, you know, a few thousand words yeah, out of this. I know. <laughs> And it's simply, you can just say no, that's it. Yeah. I love the bit in the Polly Vernon as well where she says, uh, I'm really sorry, I can't come to the party. I just want to go home and have a little cry. <laughs> and then, no, her, and then, her, and then her killer line is, and I know that you of all people will understand. <laughs> It's absolutely great. She calls it her ultimate power play, yeah. which I do quite like. <laughs> I know you, of all people, will understand. Yeah. <laughs> I think the compromise option is you go out and you have a little cry. Well, you can always do that. You know, people are. I mean, you know, people are going to love it. I have to say, it's. I mean, it's entirely ludicrous. But I would like to give people if they're if they're offered a job or a situation that they don't want to do, um, and it's on email, then you can reply as Grace Dent used to do, and she used, <laughs> instead of writing, "I'm very sorry, I can't do this. I'm too busy." She just used to write, "I'm very sorry, I can't do this. I'm too busty." <laughs> <laughs> Now, here at Papercuts, we're on the side of the subs because headlines are our heroes and subs are their sergeant majors. They whip those words into battle-ready shape, trim the fat and get to the point, which is what we like. So what do we have today? Any good headlines, John? So I've got the star where uh, Will Stone has done some sort of classic reporting work. He's going through the MP's expenses files. Uh, he's discovered that Finchley and Golders Green MP Mike Freer has charged the taxpayer £6 for a print stick. Six pounds? I mean, that's quite a lot for a print stick. Although inflation, I don't. How much does... I don't know. You, you have kids. Your kids are too old for print stick. N- well, no, print stick. You can literally go to the pound shop and get, like, three of them. That's well, ridiculous. Well, someone should tell um, MP Mike Freer this. Anyway, the, uh, the star headline is MP's stick over print. 
Very good. Okay, very nice. good. Opposite that, just beyond the picture of Lauren, 26, <laughs> um, uh, they have a story about uh, a remake of The Wombles, Ooh. directed by Johnny Vegas. Uh, and Vegas has uh, said that because the characters are all from Wimbledon Common, he's changing some of the accents, so Madame Cholet is not going to be French anymore. What? Uh, the, the, the headline is, throw a wombler, Madame Cholet. Well, I'm oh. throwing a wombler about that. That is incorrect, Johnny. I'm sorry. Also in the star, over on page 23, there is a story uh, that apparently Glaswegians have the best sex. Woohoo! Uh, this is based on a poll, those are always scientific, of which Britons are uh, completely happy with their sex lives. Uh, Glaswegians top the satisfaction table with 53% saying all their sexual desires were being fulfilled. I absolutely do not believe a word of it. Uh, anyway, there's a lovely picture of Frankie Boyle above a couple <laughs> having sex. Um, and the headline is... It's Okai the Nookie. Wait, that is so old school. That could have been any year from the 1960s onwards, couldn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, I think I'm continuing that theme. Um, where, where are you? Well, I am in the sun. Mm. And uh, this story, lest you were in any doubt that um, the sun's uh, reporting is maybe not always kind of, you know, linked to reality, this uh, article is about Santa. Ah. This is about how Santa is uh, knocking back more than two million alcoholic drinks on his UK rounds alone. <laughs> um, and there's a lovely picture of Santa going ho, hick, ho. And the headline is Santa's Blotto. Very good. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. I like yeah. everything about that yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's rather fabulous. Then it's turning over to page four of The Sun. This is a story... Elaborating on their headline, the Harry and Meghan charity getting less money this year. So it's a bad year for Harry. So, of course, the headline is Annas Harry Billis. Now, in the middle of the papers, between the Rwanda rebels and the Rwubbish Red Devils, you can find the features and lifestyle section, the fun and fluffy bit, the fix your soul through spending bit, the vast houses, the wild holidays, the silly shoes and the huge jeans. <laughs> Jan, <laughs> this is a new trend in the Times T2 section, the huge jeans trend. Shall we unpick them? Well, indeed. Mm. I mean, I think you've got some strong views on where I they have. should be unpicked exactly. But I, when I looked at them, I thought, well, I've actually got a pair of trousers that I bought. Um, they're not jeans; they're cotton. But they're that sort of they're sort of like a balloon. They sort of get, they're sort of fitted on the waist and they go out and cover up all your kind of um, your bum and thigh bits and then taper at the ankle. Now, the jeans in these pictures don't seem to me to taper enough at the ankle because if you're going to have balloony jeans that balloon out sort of in, rather in the manner of a kind of clown, you've got to um, <laughs> accentuate the cinched in waist True. and the cinched in ankle. And the slim ankle. The slim ankle. Exactly. Um, and they're not quite doing that. They're not quite doing that. And also their jeans. So jeans are very difficult, I always think, because yeah. jeans are, are very, they need to be a particular wash, they need yeah. to be a particular style, they should never have pleats. And these ones, essentially, our 90s listeners may remember, they're like Levi's, twisted Levi's, right? But 
they are wrong because Twisted Levi's have achieved this effect by moving the side seam across the front and having more material at the back than at the front. And what they've done instead, I know everybody is bored, but I'm really irritated by it. <laughs> I've not understood a single word of this story. Is add a panel in the side and this is all wrong. It's really wrong. Plus, they're really badly stonewashed. That is the end of my TED Talk. It is incorrect for the jeans. Yes, I mean, it's. I think there are... You know, all sorts of jeans are actually a tough look to get away with. I mean, the, and the you know the crop jean that are all white wizzy that look like they're a bit too short. I mean, everybody's wearing those, and and you know, there's a picture of those in the Times as well, and they kind of look equally ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, well, anyway, don't wear them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're saying. So, in the Guardian, we have another story. This is an interesting story about how cats are evil, which obviously we know, but it's very much more specific than the usual anti-kitty rant, isn't it? It's about eco-issues. What's going on, John? Uh, so, so they've done they've done a survey. It turns out that cats <laughs> eat more than 2,000 species globally, hundreds of which are species of conservation concern, uh, which is a problem because thanks to uh, humans, cats are now on every continent except Antarctica. Hmm. And they're being described as among the most problematic invasive species in the world. Which I quite like. They sound really mm. mean now, don't they? So, so they eat 931 species of bird, 463 reptiles, 431 mammals, uh, 119 species of insects and 57 amphibians. What I really liked about this is like, it does also say, we don't think this is, this is exhaustive. This is all the stuff we've been able to find cats eating, but they're not, quote, fussy eaters. So probably they're eating a bunch of other stuff and we just don't have evidence of it. It's really unbelievable because they've killed off lots of species. It is. I mean, it's like, so So like a few years ago, I published a book, which is be a great Christmas present for your dad, by the way, called uh, The Compendium of Not Quite Everything, which is like, you know, lists and facts and you know interesting observations on the world. And one of the entries I did for that was the numbers of different types of animal. Yeah. Around that. Because, like, when you're a kid, you have these picture books and it's like, you know, lions, tigers, giraffes, cows. And the numbers of these creatures that exist differ by like seven orders of magnitude or something. And basically, the closer a species is to humanity, the more of them there are. So there's loads of fucking cows in the world. We have no shortage of sheep. Plenty of dogs and cats, probably too many cats, as we're just learning. <laughs> but stuff like lions and tigers and giraffes, like there's some, there's like they, they have a curiously specific number of tigers. It's like three thousand and something. Yeah, it's like there aren't many of these guys left in the world. So the reason there are cats everywhere, and the reason they are reshaping the ecosystem, is because we are taking them everywhere because we think they're cute and fluffy. We do, but they've actually they've they've knackered everything. So in New Zealand. They've killed off nine native species. <laughs> nine! And they've endangered 33. And one politician is so upset about it, he said that they should be banned from the island. And they've they started competitions encouraging kids to kill feral cats. Well, also I heard that somebody is suggesting um, a feline lockdown. Yes, this so, happens in so, Germany. So you know, let's lock down the cats. Yeah. Do you think then Rishi Sunak will bring in a kind of eat out to help out scheme for them? You know, <laughs> yeah, kind exactly. of, you know, here's your yeah. sparrow, help the economy. In Germany, because of all this problem, they've been ordered, ordered to keep cats inside for three months in this place called Waldorf in spring because they need to protect some endangered crested larks, which breed in spring. So, I mean, it is, it's it genuinely, is it's genuinely a problem. I'd set our dog on cats that said it would lose. <laughs> It would really lose. Oh a yeah, fight. Henry Scampi's arch enemy is a is a cat, yeah. and she's about half his size, and he's terrified of her. Yeah, it's no good at all. So yeah, anyway, cats are going to take over. There's nothing we can do about it. Sorry. 
And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Jen. Thank you. <laughs> and there's just time to mention our Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Yes, if you fancy giving us a few quid a month, you too can become a super duper supporter and enjoy ad free episodes, plus a special secret extra bit at the end of every show. And your personal call will be off the scale, especially if you manage to snaffle some Paper Cuts merch as well. Just follow the link in the show notes to find out more. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the star has revealed that we are a nation of nappers, with half of Brits now taking a nap just after lunch, which is now. You've got to the end of the show, so it's time for a zzz. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts is written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with John Elledge and Jan Ravens. Audio production and music are from Simon Williams. Production is from Podmasters Group editor Andrew Harrison and the youthful assistant production was by me, Adam Wright. Designed by James Parrott and socials by Jess Harpin. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the executive producer is Martin Boytosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. Podmasters.